Welcome back to Pod Save Africa. It's your host, Akiande Aderele. A few weeks ago, I had the great pleasure of being part of a conversation put together by a previous guest of ours, Adora Namigade. If you recall, she was our guest on episode 27, which discussed Uganda, Museveni, Old Men in Power. She put together this conversation titled Internationalism, where people share their experiences on the concept of internationalism. Adora presented first, and we'll be presenting that as part one of the series on internationalism. It's my pleasure to present to you Adora Namigade, best of both worlds. So basically, I am an American-born Ugandan. So I have Ugandan ancestry and Ugandan parents, but I was born and raised in the American culture. So for a long time, growing up, this was a point of contention and a point of battle for me because I didn't know where my identity was, and I really felt like, okay, I have to pick one or the other. It's usually presented as a binary in this country. You know, who are you? Where are you from? People would ask me a lot. I'm like, man, I was born in Maryland, but I know that you mean, what is my ethnicity? Am I Ugandan? So these are things that I grappled with growing up, and I think this is an important topic because... um, America is becoming more mixed in a number of ways as we progress. So I now know that I am Ugandan and American, but I am not fully either. So I'm both, but at the same time, I am neither. So from a young age, I was un-American because, you know, I'd go to school and I'd bring my lunch and people would be like, what the heck is that? What are you eating? You know, or when I was in kindergarten, I would talk to all the black kids in Luganda, and I'd be like, Oliotia! And they would be like, um, okay. So things like that, you know, would let me know, like, okay, you do not fit in in a certain way. So I felt very rejected by Americans, so I was like, okay, then I'm not American. I'm fully Ugandan. So I rejected the American half of me, and I was like, I'm only going to be Ugandan then. If someone told me that I was American in any way, I found it offensive. And I was like, that's not who I am. But then I finally realized, when I went to Uganda for my by myself for the first time. I was 17 years old. So I'd been to Uganda before, but I had never been alone. So I went when I was 17 by myself. And I was like, wow, I am the American cousin. (laughs) No? Like, oh, here's Adora with her weird accent. You know, we got to practice English with her. Like, Adora, don't talk in the marketplace because even though you speak Uganda, like, your accent on some words is just slightly off where it's going to give people a hint. You know what I mean? So things like that. And I finally was like, okay, this is the first time I realized, no, you you think you're fully Ugandan, but, you know, you're not. Which was pretty devastating, but, okay, I realized that. Then I went to college, and I joined the African Student Society, Ooh. and I was like, yes, isn't it so great? And I met other kids who were like me, who were American, but who were from some respective country in Africa. And that was a great experience, because I was like, man, I don't really know people like me up to this point, because I went to a pretty, like, white high school, and I grew up in a pretty much white suburb, so this was the first time I was able to meet my peers who shared my experience. And then I realized, wow, I will never be able to have grown up in Uganda. This was the breaking point for me, because I was like, okay, I really still want to hang on to this Ugandan identity, so when I was going to leave college, I wanted to go move to Uganda, for at least a year, but, you know, we would see what happened after that year. But I was like, if I live in Uganda, if I just live in Uganda for a year, you know, maybe I'll truly feel Ugandan. So I went to Uganda 
And I was talking to all these journalists, and they basically all told me I should work in the United States first. Like, I would be dumb to work in Uganda first. And I was like, all the pressure in my life, too. Okay. So, um, yeah, I went, and they told me that. And then I realized, okay, if you do this to do this, that's one thing. But if you do this because you're trying to be more Ugandan, you can never replace the past. You can never be un-American. You can never have grown up in Uganda. So that's when I was like, wow. All right, I guess I'm just going to have to accept that's part of the best school world. So, I just want to show you guys this picture. This is my cross-cultural kids picture. You can pass it around. You can guess who I am. Everyone in the picture is Ugandan, but some mannerisms may show you <laughs> who I am in that photo. Oh, guys, I'm logged into my computer here. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> So my experience is just one of many of cross-cultural kids. So you may have heard of third-cultural kids, kids who have high mobility in their lives, and they are constantly moving, so they don't necessarily feel as though they identify with only one place. Cross-cultural kid is an extension of that, because like I said in the beginning, um, most Americans are going to be mixed in some sort of way by 2050. So there are different ways you can be cross-cultural. For me, it was having parents from a different country and then being raised somewhere else. So that's international. And then if you're a child of a minority, if you're the children of immigrants, right? Children of refugees, educational cross-cultural kids. So if you grew up in a school district or in a school system, that is not the same as your country's. Multiracial children, biracial children, third culture kids, etc. So there is, I don't know if you can really see this, but there's this iceberg about culture and it shows that some parts of culture are visible. So like think of an iceberg submerged in water. Most of the iceberg you cannot see. So those may be beliefs. Those may be religion. Those may be cultural customs, myths even that someone grew up with, stories growing up that you don't see. And then the tip of the iceberg is what's more visible. Sometimes religion can be visible. The food, like when I was telling you I would go to school and bring this weird Ugandan food, people were like, what? So I actually went to a talk about cross-cultural kids two months ago, which was really cool. So they said that cross-cultural kids tend to look for their identity in four different ways. They try to be a chameleon, a screamer, a wallflower, or an adapter. So a chameleon is like, I'm just going to try to blend in wherever I am. A screamer is like, okay, I'm going to completely identify as something else. I reject this completely. A wallflower is like, let me just sit back and not even engage the question. And an adapter is like, whatever group I'm in, I will just mold to them. Now, there is an advantage to growing up in this way. I would say there are five. One thing I know is that I can be a cultural bridge between Uganda and the United States in particular. Sometimes that extends to Africa as a whole. And that's been helpful in explaining to my friends, like, what, you know, what Uganda is really like, for example, or why I do things in a certain way. Um, I have an ethos and a credibility because I am in both cultures simultaneously. Language skills. Um, so I can speak Uganda and I can speak French. That is helpful. Observational skills. I think it gives you a certain sense of empathy. Um, when you know, when you realize that you didn't feel that you belonged, maybe you can extend graciousness, gratitude, and patience to others and try and figure them out. Code switching, which is just being able to 
go between groups and fit in and adapt to their culture and customs and confidence because it's like, okay, once you realize your identity, it cannot be shaken. So that is it, friends. Thank you. So what's the difference between a chameleon and an adapter? That is a great question. So the way it was explained to me was that a chameleon is, like, doesn't want people to know that they're doing this, um, like, melding to different groups, I guess. So that's how this presenter explained it at this talk. A chameleon is like, okay, you know, I'm trying to blend in, but I don't want you to know about this other part of me. Whereas an adapter, which was considered the healthiest of those four, hmm. mm-hmm, is like, okay, I still hold to this other culture in some way, but yet I am molding to you at this moment. What she didn't say was ideal. Total. Do you feel like that's what you are? It's a good question. So I think at first, I think at first I was a screamer, you know, because I was like, okay, I'm not American then, you know, screw America. Um, but at this point, yeah, I think I go between adapter most of the time, chameleon sometimes. Do you get frustrated having to code switch? Hmm. You see, it's it's interesting because I guess I'm so used to doing it that I didn't really know what code switching was until like after the fact. So that's a good question. I feel like it is just a part of my life, you know, but sometimes it is nice to just be with people who grew up like me and like I don't have to explain myself in certain ways. For those of us who are monocultural, what can we do to not be shitheads? The technical term. I would say I would say Or like, you know, what's the best way, Nina? I like yeah, you get it. <laughs> I got you. Okay. I would say, um, a lot of you already know this, but you know, instead of asking people where they're from, ask them their ethnicity. That is... If you're going to ask. I mean, like, do you have to ask all the time? <laughs> what is, like, your reasoning? That's true. Asking. Why do you want to know? Is it genuine curiosity? And I think sometimes I can, you know, judge that by people's tone and stuff. But I would say, yeah, the main thing, ask people their ethnicity, not where they're from. And, you know, just approaching each person as an individual and being like, okay, I may think that people like you are, like, X, Y, Z. But saying, okay, I really don't know that, so I'm going to approach you as a blank slate, and let you fill in those blanks for me. You said if it's genuine curiosity, that's like a good thing, as opposed to other things? Because sometimes it can just be like people are asking you, like, you're weird? Or like, you're weird cool? Like exotic? Right, exactly. And you feel like a museum display in some ways. Mm -hmm. But if someone just genuinely is like, I don't know what this is, I... I mean, I take pride in helping people learn about that because I guess it's not your fault if you haven't encountered certain cultures. You know what I mean? I can help you fill in those blanks as long as you are genuinely curious and you come to the one to know. I want to answer a few questions, too. Like, nobody asked me, but I just want to answer. Please, please. <laughs> um, okay, so, like, when you said, you know, genuinely curious, you also have technology that people get fatigued. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who it is. Like, you might be genuinely curious about where someone's from, but you're not sometimes you're gonna look dumb and to be monocultural is not really a real thing it's not you know um all you have to do is move between columbus and 
somewhere in the country two hours away and mm. they're different cultures so mm. if you continue to just expose yourself even within the same geography mm. you'll meet more people and you won't do certain things that tick other people off <laughs> mm. yeah. that's a good point that's true i mean culture can even break down into cities like so and to add to that don't overstretch your comfort despite I think oftentimes a lot of the people who find themselves in tough situations are the people who have an idea of comfort with somebody else mm. and as such they stretch it a little bit they mm. you know ask a question that they know is insensitive when they shouldn't be they touch your hair when they know they shouldn't be they make comments that, that they shouldn't be making despite having that and and they're doing it not to hurt you but to emphasize their comfort which no you're doing it to emphasize your comfort mm. with the person but but the person um you know might take that the wrong way and, and that's always very sudden because the person might not tell you but the person is like okay mm-hmm. i see how it is and then you know that the relationship changes at that point mm. i did have a question for you please if you ended up moving to Uganda, like right out of college to work, do, do you think that would have been a different experience? Because then you'd have been code switching effectively in the other direction all the time. That's true. I think there are ways. I think I was naive to the fact that like growing up here means there are so many like micro mannerisms that I have that would be foreign in Uganda. Fair. I think I didn't acknowledge that. Whereas I think if I moved there today. It would be, I would more mentally prepare myself for the fact that there would be culture shock. Even though I grew up with certain things. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I'd say it's, it's, it's one thing to grow up in a culture. And it's another thing also I feel, I, I think from both of our perspectives, that I came, to, I, I came here for college. So I feel like I became an adult in this country. Mm. And even when I go back, I feel... There's certain things I don't. I mean, there's there are definitely certain things I just don't know how to do mm-hmm. in in that culture and that economy because I haven't lived there as an adult. I've had to go out and do mm-hmm. things for myself to a certain mm-hmm. extent. When I visit, I'm visiting my parents, so um, so there there is that piece to it too. Yeah, I never thought of that. That's a good point. In just a few years, there's some things that you miss in culture because it's always evolving. Yeah. Also, the differences in having a childhood in a place and having an adulthood mm. in a place are different. And, like, having to, like, figure it out in one place and transfer it to another. What do, what do you think specifically, like, uh, you find hard to uh, connect back with? I think it's just, um, at least in Nigeria, um, there's, there's a lot more... Things are just a lot... Little things are a lot harder to do. Um, there's a lot more time that people take to do things that you can do, like, I don't know, like just going, I don't know. Maybe you get off work and you want to go to the post office to mail something mm. or you want to go to the bank. Um, that's more of a big deal in Nigeria because there's traffic. Let's say you live in Lagos, there's traffic you have mm-hmm. to deal with. There's the fact that you get there and the ATM might not work. And there's all of these different things you have to think about. Um, there's the fact that, you know, you have to get home at an early time and maybe... If you have a family, make sure to get dinner and things like that. So um, just, there's just more to think about. And when I go home, like sometimes I want to go do things and maybe my parents are not agreeable because in their perspective, like certain things have to be done first. 
Whereas I'm not really thinking that way. I don't have, I have to deal with as much. Another question for the group. Um, how many of you have ever thought about, seriously about, you know, moving to somewhere else? So you said Uganda, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, what if you were thinking of moving to China instead to live for, you know, and actually has, I find it, the reason I ask this question is because I find it fascinating that in every other way our world is, you know, expanding, everybody's connected through Twitter and Facebook, but the vast majority of people still have generally the same habits when it comes to life decisions. We all kind of want to live within our comfort zones and whatnot, but thoughts? Nobody, really? (laughs) (laughs) The answer is no, I think, for most people. um, I can tell you that one of the things that I realized after living here for five years is I don't even want to go back home. I know, right? Um, just because I don't want to move again. I don't even want to move t- like the town I'm living in. I just don't want to move again. I'm, I don't want to have to start all over again. It's so hard to start all over again. And I don't think I, you know, at a certain point in life, it just seemed like something I could easily do. But realistically, in terms of like owning assets, what can you move around with? You can't move with a car. You can't move with a house. You can't move with a bed. You can't even move with like a TV or like the smallest thing that people think. I mean, sometimes you can move with a laptop. In some cases, you'll leave it behind depending on what you're weighing is the most valuable as you're moving around or the cost of moving around. So just being realistic in like how much I can build wealth or secure myself comfortably as an individual, moving has just become like not even interesting at all. If I could find it, if I could work it out here, I'm gonna work it out here. And, <laughs> I mean, I never, ever thought I'd live in Columbus. Ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a story so many people that end up in Columbus. <laughs> I know, like, probably, I know like, four people like that. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Even but I love it here. Yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, I love it here, but I, yeah. I remember, this is really off tangent, but my senior year of college, I went on a date with a guy and I was like, where do you want to be after school? And he's like, I want to go to Columbus, Ohio. And I'm like, why would you move there? <laughs> and then I moved here and I was like, God is laughing. <laughs> where did you think you'd end up? Hopefully, hometown, right? or a big city because I grew up with, and it's like I always talk about a big city, it's not even about the buildings mm. or like the, it's just about the people. Like when you walk around and you don't see a certain number of people, or when you walk around and you see a ton of people, the energy is different. Like mm. I don't need to talk to anybody to feel like I'm alive, there's a ton of people here, something's going on. And when I'm in quiet places or smaller places, I just don't. It's just like, I just feel so uninspired, you know, like I'm about to be barefoot and pregnant and be a housewife. Like, that's how I, like, that's, the, that's just the, the way that it makes me feel like I'm, I can be very comfortable in like society's definition of me versus trying to discover myself a lot more and push myself more in a bigger city. But I did grow up in a big city, sort of, kind of. Yeah, I grew up in the suburbs of the big city. (laughs) (laughs) It's not quite the same, but yeah, sort of had access to the city. So I understand the energy, and I think I just kind of fell in love with that, and I miss that, and I like that. I think for me, um, you know, I used to want to move to Asia um, because my dad's family still lives there. So I thought that I could move there and 
kind of live differently and experience like a new culture. Um, but then it got to the point where I was tired of being different in other countries. Like when I would go to, um, I went to Guatemala once and all of the kids, like I don't remember what they called us. Um, they called me, they would just say China when I walked by, which is like Chinese girl, you know. And it just get, and then when I was in uh, Tanzania, they called me Mazinga. Um, I thought you were white? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you are. <laughs> I am, but I'm not. Um, and it, it just got tiring to always be pointed out. Um, so I, that's something that I liked about being in America is that because we're becoming such a melting pot, that it never felt like people were staring at me and pointing out the differences in me all the time. So that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I hope you were enlightened by the experiences shared, the conversation and discourse had. I enjoyed it myself, and I thought I'd share it with you guys. Next week, we will have our news update to keep you posted on all things Africa. But after that, we will have part two of this discussion on internationalism. A good, great, insightful gentleman will be discussing differences, and I think you will all find that conversation very stimulating and fascinating. I look forward to it, and I hope you do too. It's been Akandi Adairile with Port Save Africa. Please follow us on all our social media, Port Save Africa on Twitter and on SoundCloud, and we'll be available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you find podcasts. Thank you so very much. Please feel free to share, like, and subscribe, and also rate us on iTunes. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful rest of your day.